Bonjour, c'est Colonel ici et tout est bienvenu dans une autre podcast sur la culture et le café. You know those mornings when you wake up and you think, I should speak in French this morning. Yeah, well, I had one of those. Um, I'm not going to do the entire podcast in French, you'll be pleased to know, uh, unless you're French, in which case I'm really sorry I can't speak a second language. It's one of those things I'd really, really like to do, but just never get round to doing, you know what I mean? It's like I'd really love to, and French is something that I learned at school and uh, in England, and uh, don't even get me started on Brexit, and um, yeah, just never kept it up, which is a real shame, uh, I might get back to it one day, might get back to it one day, hello everybody. Uh, yes, yeah, so welcome, welcome. I'm drinking a Panamanian ASD coffee brewed uh, using a V60 uh, this morning, which I can't wait to get into. Oh, wow, that's um, it's like dark chocolate and cheese, which sounds like the worst combination, uh, but it is like, it's, it even smells a bit like blue cheese. Wow, um, yeah, that's really nice. That's really, really nice. I am, um, yeah, Panama, interestingly, a couple of interesting facts about Panama. It's the only place in the world where you can see the sunrise on the Pacific and set over the Atlantic from the exact same spot. The only place in the world where you can do that, which is pretty amazing. It's also the home of the Panama hat, uh, which is actually from Ecuador. So there's that too. I am drinking the coffee. Uh, in a little place called, it's called Lee and Me, L-E-E, Lee and Me. I read a little bit, bit about Lee and Me, it's based in uh, the town of Watertown, city, everything's a city here. Um, it's not like the good old-fashioned English, if you had a cathedral, that's what made you a city. I mean, that's just the hard and fast rule. Got a cathedral? You're a city. Unless you're a place called St Asaph in North Wales, which has a magnificent cathedral, but isn't actually a city. Um, yeah, I'm in a place called Wollongong, which I've, I've done a podcast from Wollongong before, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so that's where it is. Uh, I read a little bit about the cafe. It's husband and wife duos, Lee and Shay Sullivan and Benny and Naomi Hudson, uh, who wanted to create a community, a hub where you can feel welcome and inspired, which I absolutely feel welcome here. Uh, fabulous service. Just had the most ridiculous kind of breakfast roll as well. You know, when you have something that you just don't want it to end, that was it, you know, hash brown, cheese and avocado and barbecue sauce and lots of things that just mainly went all over my hands and some made it into my mouth as well. Anyway, that's not where you're listening to this. Um, it's operated out of an old heritage house, so built in 1890. So I thought I'd just give you a little, tiny little bit of the history of New South Wales, so the, the so Wollongong is in, in the state of New South Wales. So the area that I'm in was... Um, it was first settled by the Wadi Wadi people about, well, they reckon about 40 to 60,000 years ago, uh, which is incredible. So they found remains in Australia of, of early, early, early humans from, from about that time ago. I think it's important that we don't, we don't forget that people lived here before the English and the Dutch arrived, which is largely who colonised uh, down here. There's an incredible amount of history that exists prior to that. Um, we need to do more. There's a great, there's a great gallery actually here, Wollongong City Gallery, and I was uh, having a look online. I never get the chance. I hardly ever get the chance whenever I travel to go to some of these galleries, and I really need to try and make more time to do that. But it's got a lot of original, um, uh, original Aboriginal artwork. Um, 
other Aboriginal peoples whose lands, are, traditional lands, are now within what we would call New South Wales, include the uh, Bunjalund, uh, the uh, Wiradjuri, the Gamalaray, the Ewin, the uh, Nawigo uh, and Gweebel peoples. Um, but New South Wales is, is so-called because obviously it was settled by the British. Um, it used to be known as New Holland. Uh, I think that's, I think the Dutch spotted, I'm pretty sure it was Abel Tasman who was the explorer who spotted it and he was just like, yeah, nah, I'm not going there. Um, they settled Tas- what is now Tasmania instead, which was originally called Van Diemen's Land. I think it was called Van Diemen's Land. Uh, but James Cook started exploring the east coast of Australia in the, in the late 18, uh, the late 18th century. Uh, and he just thought it looked like Wales. Um, so he called it New Wales, this east coast area, uh, when, he, when, he, when he settled here. Um, yeah, New Wales. Although when, when he reported it back to the UK, uh, he changed the name to New South Wales. No one really knows why. Maybe it looked like Barry Island or something. Hey, what's occurring? Um, yes, and uh, of course it was originally uh, a penal colony. So in the 1788, so it was founded in 1770 by um, James Cook. In 1788, Arthur Phillip arrived in Botany Bay um, with the first fleet of essentially convicts. There was uh, over 700 convicts. It seems amazing that they would ship them all the way down here to a place with better weather than England. They probably got here and were like, really? This is prison? Cheers. Um, so yes, that's just a little bit about uh, New South Wales, a state that I'm, that I'm in, in Australia. I'm going to talk about uh, motivation today. I think one of the, one of the toughest things, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of a two-day programme uh, here at the minute, and one of the questions that I got asked was, well, what do you do if someone doesn't want to work? You know, all of the, the tough questions. It, 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 I mean, it's one of those things as a, as a facilitator, you like, get what you ask for. I was like, has anyone got any questions? Anything at all, please ask anything at all. And this one guy was like, yeah, what do you do if people don't want to work? I'm like, anything but that. Any other questions except that one. Because, um, yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, it'd be great if everyone just came in and did their job right. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like, no one wants to be the worst version of themselves. But just some days, you know. You just don't want to do it. I've been there myself. You, you might, you might even be doing it now. You might be listening to this podcast. I don't know at your desk, uh, at home, or in an office, and it might be nine thirty. And you're like, I should really work. I'll just listen to this podcast first, get some inspiration, and then away we go. And it's tough. It's one of those uh, tough things that you have to do as a manager. You know, um, um, what what managers all want. You know, the ideal world is that people feel this sense of intrinsic motivation. So intrinsic motivation is, is basically when we do stuff and there's no kind of financial driver to do so. You do it because you enjoy doing it, you do it because you're interested in it, you're doing it because you want to get better at it, you do it because you want to add value rather than is a ton of money waiting for you or some money. Uh, oh, they raised the minimum wage here in Australia, which is fabulous news. And I went to the supermarket uh, to, to while I'm away here, I went to the supermarket to get some, some groceries uh, for my dinner. And two of the, I heard two of the employees talking about it. I thought it was fabulous. And they were so excited about a 5% uh, increase in the minimum wage here, which um, 
can only be applauded, uh, especially given the times that we're living in right now. Uh, you know, inflation super high. And of course, the way we try and control inflation is by putting the interest rates up, which means if you borrowed any money, which is pretty much everybody, um, then, you know, that the cost of that's going to go up. So people are struggling. So uh, it's great to see that the minimum wage um, went up. But, but, you know, kind of intrinsic motivation is you do it um, without the need for kind of financial recompense which is not real life people it's not real life um it is that you know ultimately we need it in order to do our jobs i mean I, don't get me wrong i love my job and i will do engagements for free from time to time usually for charitable um, work but still, you know, I like to get paid for the job that I do. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, and culture is one of the big, biggest drivers of intrinsic motivation, of course, is, is when you can get people to focus on their contribution. If you can get people to focus a little bit um, on how they contribute to something, um, then there's less of a need for a consistent... Um, conversation around compensation and around money and around benefits and it's one of the things that we're seeing right now um, is that you know culture is really um, is really something that people are looking for um, especially at the minute in, in, in the climate that we're in when organisations don't have often don't have more money to provide uh, staff and so you know the work that I'm doing is helping them to create an environment that just naturally motivates people, that actually people enjoy being part of, they want to be part of, they um, they you know, kind of want to do their bit, they want to mix socially with people, they want to think about the different ways that they can do things, and, and culture is one of those things that you can do, yeah, you know, and the, the whole reason for doing this podcast, I suppose, is to provide you with, with some of those insights which... You know the, the the research backs up. You know just the importance of culture, and yet uh, we, you know, we, we still pay it lip service, or you know we don't commit to it. You know, I, I had an approach from a client the other day who wants to do it in half a day. I'm like, it's it, you know it's really that's you know, and I gave them details of someone else who could potentially do that, but um, it's just not something you can agree. In, in half a day it really takes a commitment to do some things differently to make some agreements to each other to get to know each other better to agree some new behaviours um, and some new ways of working but I think if you know and, and as a as an employee myself I, I, I don't often feel a lack of motivation today and I think that's the, the beauty of finding a job that you love and I've had jobs that I've loved in the past don't get me wrong is that you do feel a sense of intrinsic motivation. When, when, when you love the work that you do, it, it fires you up, it provides you with energy, it provides you with inspiration, and it provides you with motivation. Um, but there have been days in the past where I haven't felt like that. You know, and, and people telling you to be positive, people telling you to book your ideas up, people telling you to be motivated, none of that works. None of it works. Um, so I just thought I'd kind of break down what motivation is in the hope that you can help people who feel demotivated. I think, you know, what you want to do is, is talk to them. You need to have strong relationships with each of your team members, which I feel like it's an obvious thing to say, but we don't always do that. We don't always have those 
um, relationships. So you build it up over time, you find out kind of what their personality is, you find out, you know, how they like to receive information. You want to be able to spot when they're not on their game because that's when you need to have the conversation, you know, and you want to get to the root cause if anything's wrong and just check in, are you okay? Is everything okay? You just don't see yourself today, those kind of things. And then if you're the manager or if you're a good teammate, you're going to ask if you can help. Um, you know, what we, what we want to remind people, you know, a good way of motivating the, the, the demotivated is, is just remind them of the value that they are. Just remind them that they're a human being, they're going to feel tired, um, just remind them that, you know, in order to get stuff done, we need a little bit of discipline. So what's the one small thing that they can do to start to build momentum? I think often when, when people are demotivated, there's a real sense of overwhelm. Uh, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a fear about doing something. There's something maybe they're putting off. And, and, and so I think it's crucially important that you help them to take that first baby step. Uh, and so it comes down to a few things, and, and, and so I read a great paper uh, called Self-Determination Theory, which is by researchers called Decky and Ryan. I think the most famous use of this work was in the book Drive by Dan Pink, if you've read that <coughs> really interesting book. And they broke, broke down motivation into three areas, competence, autonomy, and connectedness. So I thought I'd, you know, I'd, I'd kind of relate that to, to workplace culture, given it's culture and coffee podcast. Um, so confidence, they, they put in the paper, it was, it was to not, not to find any toil in work, but to take great pride in performing difficult and important tasks with greater and greater skill. So the conversation here with employees is that, you know, it's the outside the comfort zone conversation. And this is where as a manager, you need to be a coach, you need to be a mentor. You need to talk to them about, you know, kind of the things that they'll learn when they step outside their comfort zone. And, and so it, it, it's, it, it's choosing, do I need to be a coach here or a mentor? And our coach asks questions to help people get to the answer themselves. So if you feel that they've got the ability to get there, that's what you want them to do. Because you want them to feel that sense of, oh, oh, okay, I did know that. Um, and I think that's the benefit of coaching is people get that real sense of, oh, you know, that, almost that light bulb moment. Oh, I get it. Whereas mentoring sometimes when people have a specific block or they may, maybe they've never done something before is to say, listen, here's a way to do it. Here's a way to think about it. So this is all about you as a manager helping people to better understand how to do their job well and also the value that it adds. I think often we're very good at understanding our roles and responsibilities. I do this, I do this, I do this. Rather than the value that they add, ah, I add this. Which I think is a much better, bit, much better way of framing it. Is what value do you add? And if you can do, if you can overcome this thing, then this is the value that it will give other people. I think the other thing about competence is sometimes when people are feeling demotivated, if, if there's a, uh, if, if there's some kind of personal development that they can do, maybe a little online course, maybe you can send them to see a seminar or or you know, kind of encourage them to, to go and sit with another member of staff and share some information on how stuff gets done. I think that could be a good, uh, a good thing as well, you know, helping them to develop that future skill. I think sometimes when we, when we lack motivation and we lack inspiration, giving them access to somebody or some information that can provide that is a good thing. I think the other thing as well sometimes uh, when, when we lack motivation is a little bit of laughter goes a long way. It really does. I remember, I was telling a story yesterday actually, 
to the guy who asked the question. Um, and I said there was one time when um, when I was working in New Zealand where we all felt a bit demotivated. We'd just come off the back of a heavy period of, of delivery and um, we were just all a bit flat. It wasn't that anything was wrong, we were just a bit flat. And I, I owned, I still own, the uh, Faulty Towers box sets and uh, on DVD and at the time my laptop player had a DVD player. Remember that? Remember those things? Um, and I brought the DVD box set in and we hooked the laptop up to the TV in one of the meeting rooms and we spent half an hour watching Faulty Towers and in a way it kind of we allowed ourselves to kind of cleanse ourselves of our feelings through Basil Faulty and, and honestly we had a great afternoon after that and obviously the laughter really really helped so I think you know there's a couple of ways there you can you can help people to unlock uh, those feelings the other part the, the next part of self-determination theory is, is autonomy and, and what they say here, it's about freedom to take responsibility for our own lives and direct them in our own way. And as a manager, what you, you don't want to do is dictate work. What you want to do is encourage work. Um, and yes, what you might do is lay out, what, lay out the, the outputs that are expected or the outcomes that are required. But then make sure that people understand, you know, kind of it's within their own remit. To actually get there so they decide the tasks they decide how long it will take they decide you know kind of how to do it and if they need other people to help they can do that not everybody feels that autonomy I remember reading uh, I think it was powerful the book powerful by Patty McCord at Netflix and she said she said we want people to feel motivated and that they have autonomy as soon as they walk in the door well which is great but it doesn't always work that way. You know, sometimes there can be an individual who, who, who makes us feel that that isn't the case. Sometimes we're told how to do the work. There's a variety of factors. Um, but reminding people that they have autonomy, I, I think, is a, good, is a good reminder. Listen, you decide the tasks, you decide the technique, you decide, you know, you decide how you will do it. Here's, here's just what we require by Friday. I think, you know, when, when you're setting expectations in a previous podcast, I talked a lot about setting expectations. It, it is, you know, just, just provide that reminder that it's up to them, but that, that you're there to provide that support if they need it. So they have full autonomy and I'm here to help you if you need it. And then you, what you would want to do is ch just check in and sit down with them and, and just say, hey, listen, how's it going? Are you onto it? Do you need any help? Are you focused on the tasks? Again, it's, it, it's not... It's not like, you know, motivation is not a switch. It's not like, oh, I'm not motivated. Right, you've got full autonomy to do the task. And then, oh, thank you. And the switch is flicked. I am, I am fully motivated now. Thank you for your passion. Um, listen, it's part of it, but it's not, it's not all of it. And then the last element to motivation was connectedness. Now, from, from I guess, a teamwork perspective, this is about understanding the culture that you're part of and then seeing it practiced. Nothing demotivates an employee more culturally than agreeing to a set of principles or ways of working and then people not following it. So as a manager, you've, you've got to be cognizant of that. Are people upholding the culture that you agreed? Um, if they are, great. If they're not, then you, you need to address it because it's just going to demotivate people because essentially what they're going to think is, well, we agreed this, why should I do it and nobody else? 
why why is why I'm just I doing it? It's you know it's the same with things like values. Is is people living the values in plain sight? It's just not enough. I've talked about this before, but it's not enough just to define your values. I wrote a blog about this last week about how they need to evolve and grow. You know, you really do need to articulate how you're going to live those values. And if people don't see them being lived, then it will just completely demotivate them. Same when, same when you take the, the opportunity to set a vision, but you don't actually make decisions um, that are aligned to that. So, so, you know, culture is one of those things that evolves. Culture is one of those things that, that grows. Um, and you need to make sure that it's not only relevant for your team at that point in time, but also you need to make sure that people are actually living it. Otherwise, what it will do is demotivate people. Um, ultimately, when it comes to kind of motivating the demotivated people, it, 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 it takes time for people to work through those issues. And they're not doing it to be bad employees, and you shouldn't assume that for a minute. Actually, if you assume the best of them, um, then it's more likely they'll, they'll get out of their funk more quickly than telling them to do so. Ultimately, what you want to do here is really help them to take those first steps. Remind them of the good things that they do. Remind them of the value that they add. But ultimately, if they're not doing, then nothing's happening. You can never feel motivated if you're not doing anything. Sometimes you need to do nothing to make sure that your mind is clear. Once your mind is clear, it gives you that opportunity to be, I guess, more alert and better uh, able to take action. Anyway, here we go. My brekkie roll is sitting nicely now. I'm just about to finish my coffee and uh, get started for my day. Uh, enjoy uh, work wherever you are today. and look forward to speaking to you again soon. It's